Who here has eaten at Stuffed Burger in really a fork? Okay, cool, right on. So it does sound really good right now. Let's go there. Who's paying? Okay, John's paying. Let's go. No, we're, we're actually going to stay right here. Um, here's why I like Stuffed. At Stuffed, they encourage you to, if you don't know what Stuffed is, it's a burger place. And what I like about it is they encourage you to put weird stuff on your burger that you maybe have never thought of putting on a burger before, like peanut butter. I had to have a friend convince me to put peanut butter on my burger, and I'm so glad that they did. It's amazing. It's salty, and it's sweet, and it makes the burger so good. They let you, instead of having a bun on the top or the bottom of the burger, let you have two glazed donuts on the top. And it's brilliant. It is genius. But there is one thing that I just hate on my burgers. Like, I hate it so much that I feel like if it's on the burger, the burger is ruined. Like, I don't want to eat it. And it's something that most people love on their burgers. So I feel not very understood. And I might be creating some enemies by saying this. But here's what I just do not like on my burger. Cheese. I don't like cheese on my... Does it... Giselle, yes, I knew I liked you. And you, you don't like cheese either? Okay. She, she only eats the cheese. Okay, let, let me explain myself though, okay? I have nothing against cheese. I really like cheese, in fact. But here's the thing. For me, when there is cheese on my burger, all I taste is the cheese, like nothing else. And when I order a burger, I don't want a cheese sandwich. I want a burger. So I don't like cheese on my burger. So here's the story. A few years ago, I think it was my 26th birthday, I I was getting together with a group of people, and someone in that group thought that they had a good idea of what to get me for my birthday. It wasn't a cheeseburger. But uh, he, he did bring out this really large sack, and I didn't know what was in it. And he said, Stetson, for your birthday, For being 26, I got you 26 cheeseburgers. I was like, no. Like on the inside, I was like, ah. Now I have 26 of something that I think is disgusting. But on the outside, I was like, oh, thank you. Because they went to all this trouble, and it was really thoughtful of them. And like, they asked some burger establishment to make 26 cheeseburgers, so I felt bad for the person who made it. So here's what I did. I passed out all these cheeseburgers to the people that were there that night so that I could look generous when actually I was just getting rid of this really disgusting food that I didn't, didn't want. So here's kind of the lesson of that. If you're going to do something for someone, it's a good idea to do something that they want you to do for them. Because otherwise, like, what's the point? Here's something that we do for God a lot. Uh, We worship him a lot. And the way that we typically do this is by singing, whether it's here or maybe you go to church with your parents on the weekends. That usually happens. But singing is only one way to worship. Like, have you guys ever thought, does God like it when we sing to him? Like, why do we sing these songs? Or is that just kind of what we've always done? Are there other ways that he wants us to worship him? So Jesus kind of has an answer to this question, and it's in John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. Jesus says this, but the hour is coming and is here now 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to worship in truth. Um, But before we can do that, we need to know what worshiping actually is. Um, So there's lots of ways that you can define worship, but here is how we are calling worship tonight. Worship is any time, in any way, that you put God before yourself. It's like when you let someone cut in line, like you're showing them that they're really important to you, and you're letting them go through this line and get to whatever's at the end of the line before you. Like, it's a really nice thing to do. So, worshiping God is any time and in any way that we put God before us. So, if you wake up in the morning, and before uh, you get dressed or check your phone or eat breakfast, if you stop and decide to pray about your day, that's putting God before yourself. You're praying before you go about doing all this stuff. If you have to make a really big decision, and instead of just deciding for yourself, you stop and you ask God what he would like you to do, that's putting God before yourself. That's worship. If you stop in the middle of your day, instead of spending the whole day thinking about yourself, which I tend to do often, if you stop and sing a few songs about him and stuff that he's done, or pray... That's worshiping, because you're putting God before yourself. Or if you have allowance uh, sitting in your pocket, and you pass by a homeless person, or you see someone at school who you know could really use that money, and you give it to them because you know that's what God would want you to do when you could totally just hang on to it yourself, that's putting God before yourself. Giving that money, that's Worship, if you really want to do something that you know God has explicitly told us to never do, even though you really, really want to do it, and you decide not to do it because you know that God asked you not to, that's putting God before yourself. Choosing not to do that thing, that's worship. So worship is any time that we put God in front of ourselves instead of putting ourselves first. And Jesus says God wants to be worshipped in truth. So what does that mean? What does it mean to put God before ourselves in truth? Well, to worship in truth means that we are specifically thinking about who God is and why we would worship him. So however you decide to worship, whether it's singing or praying or doing something or, or not doing something, the very first step of worshiping in truth means using your mind, your thinking, okay, who is God? And why would I worship him? See, worshiping in truth is using our mind, and if we're not using our mind, if we're just kind of going through the motions, we're not actually worshiping. We're just going through the motions. And this is really common. Uh, There was this time in ancient Israel for, for a while, like God had taught them to worship him in this really specific way. They made these like animal sacrifices and stuff, and they did all these specific things. And they've been doing these rituals like over and over and over and over and over again. They started to forget about God and they were just doing the rituals. Like they weren't even thinking about God anymore. And this is how God felt about that. In Isaiah chapter one, it says this. Verse 11 through 13. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? This is God talking, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. 
when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. So basically, these people, the Israelites, they had been going through all these rituals. They were doing everything exactly like God asked them to do, but they weren't thinking about God at all when they were doing these things. So they weren't actually worshiping at all. And we can do this really often. It's easy to go to church or to come to Velocity, and it comes to the point after announcements where we sing songs together, and we sing all these songs, but we've been thinking about something else entirely. We haven't been thinking about God. I did this at church this morning. Like, we were singing these songs, and I was thinking about something that I had to do later in the day, and I wasn't thinking about God at all. When we don't think about God when we're doing all these worshipy things, we're not actually worshipping. It's like this. Do you guys get a lot of reading homework from teachers? Yeah? Raise your hand if you get, like, if you have to read, like, at least half an hour a day. Okay. Anyone here have to read, like, an hour a day sometimes? Hour and a half? Sometimes. Okay, yeah. Okay, so you guys have experienced, like, wow, I have to read 12 chapters. That's nuts. What did I do to you, Mr. or Mrs., whoever? Um, When I was in college, I had to read a lot of stuff that I honestly just didn't care about. And uh, I would get halfway through the chapter, and tell me if this is just me and my brain works weird. Maybe I'm a superhero, or maybe you've experienced this too. I would get to a point where I would just be bored out of my mind with what I was reading, and it's like my brain would keep reading, like it would look at every word, and it would like process every word, like it was legitimately totally reading, but it's like my mind divided itself from my brain. Okay, I'm not the only one. That's good. I'm kind of disappointed I'm not a superhero. But, uh, but I would just be thinking about this thing, like, over here. And I, I re- realized I got to the end of the chapter, and I read every single word in the chapter, but I didn't remember a single thing, which is so frustrating because you have to read it again if you're going to, like, pass the quiz or whatever you're reading it for. And it's just like you have to spend twice as much time reading it. We can do the same thing while worshiping. Like, we can be going through the motions, like, technically, we're standing up and we're singing, and, like, words are coming out of our mouth, or, or we're praying instead, but we're just thinking about our day. We're not really thinking about these things that we could be praying about. Our mind is over here. And even though we technically did all the worshipy things, we didn't worship at all. Because worshiping means worshiping in truth. It means, like, using our mind and thinking about who God is and why we would worship Him. So... If worshiping in truth is thinking about these things, I want to give you a couple things that we can think about. I think the most important things that we can think about before we worship. So, uh, when you worship God, when you put him before yourself, here are the two things that I think are most important to remember. The first one, God is God, which might be like, no duh, but I'll explain that. But the second most important thing is that he loves you so much. Here's what I mean by God is God. Before everything was created, it was just God. God had no beginning. He just existed, which just, if you really think about it, kind of blows your mind a little bit. But he created the entire universe and everything in it. Plants, animals, little atoms and electrons and things running around that hold your skin together. And, like, uh, it created you. Everything that you can see, touch, feel, taste, everything. He created it. 
which is hard for us to wrap our minds around, but I found a video that might help us get a grasp of how insane that is. At the beginning of this video, they show some kids playing. Here's my challenge to you. Throughout the entire video, try to keep your eyes on the kids. Okay? Ready? All right, let's watch. It's so great. Okay, there's the kids. Since the universe is a big place, we could easily get lost. So, we'll need signposts to give us a sense of scale. Those might be adults. The acrobat's ring is one meter wide. Yeah, those are, those are adults. The crowd is ten like times kids. wider, ten meters across, larger by one power of ten. Now, with every step, every ring, we travel ten times farther from Venice, and our view of the universe is ten times wider. The 100-meter ring surrounds St. Mark's, and 1,000 meters, one kilometer, the city center. As our speed increases, four steps, four powers of ten, reveal all the islands of Venice, the Adriatic Sea, and the mainland of northern Italy. Six steps take in Europe from central Germany across Italy to the Balkans. And soon we can see the entire planet, our home in space. Listen to some of the stuff that he's saying. It's pretty crazy. But try to keep your eye on those adults that look like kids. Eight steps on our outward journey, eight powers of ten, and we pass the farthest reaches of human travel. The moon. visualize the paths that the nine planets take in their orbits around the sun. At 13 steps from St. Mark's Square, the entire solar system comes into view. And with 15 steps, 15 powers of 10, we can see that our sun is just another star. From here on, our voyage will be measured in light years, the distance light travels in an entire year. Only now do we fly past our nearest neighbor stars, almost five light years away. The same journey at the speed of today's spacecraft would last 100,000 years. we cross the perpetual night, our voyage takes us up and out of our sun's neighborhood near the edge of a great pinwheel of stars.
galaxy. And our own sun is just one of a hundred billion stars in it. At this immense scale, 23 powers of 10, each shining light we see is not a star, but an entire galaxy composed of countless stars. Astronomers have discovered that the galaxies are flying away from one another. The universe is expanding. Our own galaxy and all the others form clusters and superclusters of stupendous size, hundreds of millions of light years across. And here, about 15 billion light years from Venice, we approach the outer limits of the visible universe. What lies beyond this cosmic horizon, we cannot see and do not know. Except we do know, because holding the entire universe in the palm of his hand is God. And way in the middle is you. So, this is what I mean by like thinking about the fact that God is God. We are here, and he is out here, holding that whole chunk of universe in the palm of his hand. That's nuts. And what's even more nuts than that is that holding it like this, he sees you clearer than I can see you. That's crazy. But even more nuts than that is the God that holds the entire universe in his hand loves you. When I say he loves you, I mean he really, seriously loves you. Because God loves you so much that he sent his son, who is out here with him, down to earth to be a little itty-bitty human And he died on a cross so that we could be set free from our sins and we could spend eternity with him. That's a crazy amount of love. Now, this is important. Here's why I want us to think about who God is and what he did when we worship. Because when we think about these things, it changes the way that we worship. So like, when we think about who God is, he's out here holding the universe, we start to realize the least that we could do is worship him. Like, Can you imagine him holding the universe in his hand and we're in here singing our little songs. Like, victory, victory, conquer death. It's like, it kind of seems insignificant. But when we sing and when we pray, guys, hear me on this. He loves it, okay? Even though it's like, eh, eh. Like, he thinks that is the coolest thing. Like, seriously, he does. But when we think beyond that, Because if we just think about that, like, we kind of get this, like, feeling like, okay, we have to worship him because we're obligated, because he's God. Like, if we don't sing these songs, maybe he'll, like, and, like, we're done, you know? That's it. It's it's over. We stop singing. So he's like, well. Um, But when we think about the fact that God loves us so much, it changes the way that we worship. Because when we think about all the love that he has for us, we start to worship, not out of obligation, but out of the love that we have for him, because of all the ways that he's loved us. It's like this. A few days ago was Valentine's Day, uh, and uh, I'm married, I have a wife, her name's Allie, and I got Allie a card and some flowers. Now, here's the thing. 
A lot of husbands give their wives cards and flowers on Valentine's Day because they are their wives. And I could have this perspective of like, well, I'm giving her these things because of who she is. Like we had a wedding ceremony together. We exchanged rings. She is officially my wife. And I just, if I just thought about that, I would write something in the card like, Allie, it's Valentine's Day. You are my wife. Here is your card and flowers. Stetson. And that's terrible. Like, that's like not very romantic at all. Like, no girl or woman would appreciate a card like that. But when I think not just about who she is, my, my wife, but I think about all the incredible ways that she loves me, something that she does not have to do. Like, we could just be roommates that wear rings. When I think about all the ways that she loves me and she doesn't have to, I write different things in the card, things that I'm not going to share with you because they're private and they're personal because we have this relationship that's built on this love that that we have for each other. It changes what I write in the card. And I don't just like pull the first bouquet off the wall like I thought about, okay, what kind of flowers does she like? Which ones are dead? Which ones aren't dead? And I picked up flowers that were living that she liked. When we worship God in truth, we're not just going through the motions of like standing up and singing the songs and words are coming out of our mouth or, or however we decide to worship. But when we put God before us and we're thinking about who God is and why we would worship him, it changes the way that we worship. So we're going to unpack this a little bit more in core groups. But I'm going to pray for us and then we'll get into core groups. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a great night together. Thank you for time to hang out with friends and drink soda and nearly choke on saltines. Um, God, thank you for being you, holding the entire universe in your hand, but also loving us. That's insane. Thank you for hearing our prayers earlier today. And thank you for being with us when we get into core groups and talk about this stuff. So I pray that you would just show us new things um, that we would ask our group to pray for us if we need prayer for something. So we love you, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great time in core groups.